is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfred, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, recording Monday morning because Keith is off work because it's a holiday, and uh, so we're bright and early drinking coffee this morning instead of a favorite beverage. Well, this is a favorite beverage. It's just coming in the morning. And, this is uh, our, our favorite morning beverage. Yeah, and we're here to talk salary cap, and uh, I'm sure we'll sneak in a few player uh, conversations and um, may even dip into some player needs, roster evaluation, all that kind of stuff. But we'll see how the uh, the salary cap portion of the show goes. And um, good morning, Keith. Good morning. So uh, we are going through and looking at this. And, and one of the things that I found interesting when I just started this process is Seattle right now only has 49 players under contract for next year. And if you don't count the... Um you know, the futures contracts, if you just look at players under contract per se, it's like 39. Yeah. But the futures contracts count um, yes. because they're under contract. They just, their contract hasn't started yet. Um, but yeah, so we we're looking at 49 players now in the off season teams will carry 90. So they're going to add and add and add and add. Um, and some of that will be through the draft and, you know, free agency and, and undrafted free agents and everything. But yeah, you know, teams like to carry 90 and yeah. they're at 49. So that's a well, long way to go. And and even with 49, I have to say, um, if you, if you really take a look at the roster and you look at it and you take a peek at it, you're, you kind of go, Oh yeah, yeah. There's some spots where there's just not a lot of, mm-hmm. 
players or depth or any talent whatsoever and you're just going um yeah there's a lot of holes to fill it's not quite as bad as it seems obviously and we're going to talk about salary cap today so we do have some money sitting in our little piggy bank that we can Mm -hmm. go out and spend although right out of Pete Carroll's mouth end of season um conference said that you know their primary objective of course it is every year is to retain um a lot of those guys that are unrestricted um to have have some of those guys back so they're gonna eat up a portion of that but we'll we'll talk about it and see what maybe makes sense what doesn't so yeah you want to you want to just get started right at the top keith yeah well, i just i mean of course you've got to start um well, we can start with, let's go ahead and start with um, how they are overall t- with their totals. I think that's because, a good idea. Because, you know, with that, they're, they are in good shape, right? So we're looking at, um, you know, the team being at $106 million, uh, on the active roster, including the futures contracts. And, I mean, they are in, in great shape as far as the cap stuff because they, they don't have a ton of dead money. And they're sitting here with um, a forty-four point two million in cap space. Um, that's they're, they're you know sitting there with a, a that's a lot of money to spend, especially yeah. when you think about so last the, year they went in with not, with pretty much nothing. So well, so let's 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 back up just a hair and just say that the the league has uh, put in a estimated salary cap this season of two hundred eight million, roughly. Mm-hmm. And the Seahawks are sitting at like 167 overall. I thought. Now I don't know where you're getting your 104 number because um, I don't have access to that. Oh, you know what? That number was um, just salaries. It didn't have uh, any of the bonuses and stuff in it. Okay. So, so we're at 167. I'm looking right at uh, over the cap. Yep. We're at 167 total liabilities uh, in 2022 currently signed. Uh, contracts that does not include i don't believe the futures this is just under contract currently not before league year starts and um only counting the top 51 but we're not we don't even have 51 i don't believe overall yet and team cap space at 51 million five hundred and fifty three thousand dollars so um russell wilson is, is an interesting number because he's got 37 million of cap space taken up. Um, and if mm-hmm. they were to trade him and I don't think that they will, but you know, let the rumors fly. <laughs> um, they would save $11 million if they were to trade him. Um, and that money could then be added to the cap and reallocated. Same with Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner's carrying a $20 million cap hit, $20 million, overall. They could save $16 million if they were to cut him um, or mm-hmm. or trade him. And um, so let's just have a conversation about those two guys because they're, they're carrying the primary savings if they were, we were to move on from those players. And they're, they have the most uncertainty, I think, of, of the players currently under contract. Yeah. Um, and, well, I'm not convinced that there's uncertainty with, when it comes to Russell Wilson, um, I'll, to be completely honest. I think that, uh, everyone really wants there to be something to talk about. And so there's, this, yes, of, there's of this, course, Keith, yeah. there's this, there's this media push to keep his name 
um, out there as this option because it makes for great conversations on the radio and it makes for um, articles that get clicks on the interweb. But um, you listen to Wilson, you listen to Pete Carroll. Uh, yes, I the think, words they've actually spoken out of their own mouths. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, the only thing is that um, the one thing that came out, and I think it came out through his agent, was that Wilson is, he wants to stay in Seattle, but he is exploring his options or something like that. Yes. Um, but that, and that was from his, his agent. Uh, again, as we found out last year, things that come from Wilson's agent aren't always um, what Wilson, you know, is thinking and, and, and wants, uh, but they're all done because there's a reason, right? There's, it's not, it's not necessarily the honestly like, oh, he's exploring options. He has I no think options. They, I think they're pining now to me. I think that they, they think there might be in a decent position to push for a, an extension yeah. to A, give Russell Wilson more money, B, show the team and show the fans that they're all in on, on Seattle. Mm -hmm. um, so it does serve two purposes. However, Seattle doesn't necessarily need to do that. They're in really no position, no pressure to add years onto the contract now in fact may want that flexibility just in case things do go south they do have them under contract for two years they do have two franchise tags they could apply so they have team control for four years mm -hmm. okay so that's nothing that's not an insignificant fact that really throws a wrench into this idea that Russell Wilson is going to explore his options and he's going to want to play somewhere else. It's like, no, you, you, it doesn't work that way. You know, it really doesn't. Now he could force a trade, you know, and he's really concerned about his legacy, Keith. Uh, if he were to force his way out of this city and into another situation, that would be a really bad look i think overall for him and his legacy if that's really important and so i don't see anything happening just from a financial and contractual obligation standpoint well and then you look at at, at other situations and, and how these have unfolded because quarterbacks are unique compared to other players if absolutely aaron, aaron Rodgers couldn't force his way out of green bay he tried really really hard um and the team essentially said no and he's there, and actually, they're probably the favorites to come out of the NFC. Yeah, um, isn't that, that is kind of crazy. Yeah, and right. so, and and the thing is, people are still talking about him as a potential, you know, uh, not free agent, but trade acquisition um, for other teams, even though they may be a Super Bowl team. Like, how weird would that be? Um, but then, you you know, what are some of the other situations where teams have managed, or where players have managed to force their way out? Um, you can think of um, usually just malcontent type guys. Well, guys Carson, that are, yeah, it's like Carson Palmer. Um, I was just thinking, but just in terms of quarterback, Carson Palmer had to retire for half a year, um, and then wait for a desperate Raiders team to lose their quarterback and offer a pile of picks to to Cincinnati to get him for him to come back and and rejoin the league. But he had to retire for half a year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so no, these things are real. The only thing that you could make a, an argument for in um, if he were to want to force something 
and hold out and just make it miserable for the Seahawks is just protecting the culture, protecting the franchise. You want to do the best thing. You know, it's going to be so unpleasant for everyone that you just get to the point where you're better off taking the picks, taking the the draft capital that you can get for them and, and getting that out of your system. Um, then, then that's the case, but man, a lot needs to happen before yeah. that truly is, is what's going to go down. And the green Bay situation this year, it, it indicates that just having a quarterback that's unhappy and maybe once out, if the team's committed and whatnot, it doesn't have to, you know, really hurt the team overall. Like it, yeah. it doesn't. Um, yeah, because so, there's still incentives for Russell Wilson to play at a high level. Mm-hmm. So let's, and I'll just say this, you know, there's just going to be a ton of chatter, a ton of talk. Uh, you mentioned the um, exploring the options comment. I think overall our position on this show is just going to be, we're going to assume that Russell Wilson's back on this team and we're going to ignore pretty much all the other stuff because if we talk about this incessantly over and over again, every show, it's just going to get tiring for us, tiring for you. Let's just wait and see. And uh, listen to uh, Pete Carroll, listen to John Schneider, listen to Russell Wilson himself. If it comes from them, I'm going to be listening. If it's coming from all the punditry out there, you just got to take it with a grain of salt and just assume that it's probably not completely accurate. Mm -hmm. I'll just leave it there. All right, Bobby Wagner, Keith. I think uh, this, this is, is the a most. Different, this is a different discussion. Yeah, this is probably the most difficult choice that this team is going to have to make. It would it, it wouldn't surprise me if they've already kind of made this choice, um, but boy, talk about a difficult choice. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we were they were looking at a situation where, um, and they were in this position a year ago where you're looking at a middle linebacker at 17 million of cap space. That's yes, that's crazy. Um, and but they, they easily committed to that. I mean, they just came out and said, We're on the Bobby Wagner train and, and we're yeah. not ready to get off yet. Yep. And 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 they just committed to it and ro rolled with it. And I always expected them to do something and rework that deal because it is a lot of cap space for a middle linebacker, regardless of the middle linebacker. Now we're talking about a first ballot hall of famer, a, what is it? A six time all pro uh, guy that's going to end up not leading the league in, in tackles this year, but only because he missed two games at the end of the year. But the um, tandem of Brooks and Wagner, they had like 300 and some odd tackles was the most tackles by a tandem on a team since the year 2000. Yeah. And I don't know what preceded that, but that's crazy. Yeah, I was looking at the um, the Seahawk um, like records. And so Bobby Wagner, before he got hurt, with two games left, um, set the record for um, most tackles in a season for the Seahawks. And so you looked at the list, and it's Bobby Wagner, Bobby Wagner, Bobby Wagner, Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so He's the he's you know and he's not well, playing in the middle. So Jordan Brooks does make this situation a little bit more interesting because they have a ready-made player there that can mm -hmm. already step up and be a leader in that position and kind of go forward. Now everyone you know thinks of uh, Brooks uh, as a Seahawk playing on the outside, but he was a, a really decent middle linebacker in college. 
well, true. He was a he was a middle linebacker in college, but he was also an outside linebacker in college before that final year. His junior he, year, yeah, right. Yeah, so he can and his tape as a middle linebacker was was good, except for when he was in coverage, um, and then it wasn't great. But uh, his tape when he was an outside linebacker in coverage in college was good, and that was one of those points that everyone who wanted to, to bash him like seemed to miss. And then when you go look at this year, like everyone's like, Oh, he's so bad at coverage. And I'm like, how do you actually watch games? I see him, you know, 35. He has a few, down. He has a few misses, but come on. He's really been awesome. He, yeah. You see him 35 yards downfield covering a receiver and he's right there. Um, and you don't see that with, with most linebackers. And um, I mean, yeah, he has a few misses, but he's a, when he's a, only when he's a linebacker covering a receiver and, for the most part, that is a situation that quarterbacks want to eat, right? Well, they and that's want... a scheme situation we can have a conversation about too. I mean, does he belong 35 yards down the field in coverage? Um, but what I'm what I'm saying though is that um, it does present a fairly unique situation to the Seahawks. Seattle, given Bobby Wagner still on the top of his game, although albeit what 34, Keith. Um, you know, he's he's probably in a window of of a two or three year window where you're going to start to see diminishing returns with Bobby Wagner. I think you're seeing that a little bit. It, it, he plays middle linebacker and he's making a ton of tackles, but you're seeing the depth of those tackles, I think, increase. He's not playing. Uh, he's not fighting through all that contact up to, up at the line of scrimmage as much as he used to. But mm-hmm. I will say he's still he's still premier, right? He's so you could get if you wanted to trade Bobby. I'm not just going to speculate just for a minute. If you wanted to trade Bobby Wagner, you may have a team in the second round uh, that would be willing to give up a second round pick for a Bobby Wagner because he brings so much to your team, not only the physical gifts on the field, uh, but he's going to bring something to your locker room that you may not have and covet, and he would bring that in spades. So mm-hmm. um, what are your thoughts about Bobby Wagner potentially leaving the Seahawks this year, Keith? It's a definite possibility. Um, one thing you said, thirty-four. He's going to be thirty-two for next season. So Dude, that's not, not as bad as I thought it was. Not quite as old as as you were thinking. So, um, and with that, you look at the play. He's continuing to just make tackle after tackle, and he does all these things. But there was a point where he was um, the fastest middle linebacker in the game for a number of Absolutely. years, and he is. Right is nowhere close anymore. I think that knee that he has, he gets that injection in and has to miss a week in preseason every year um, is starting to slow him down. And he's just older. That's a lot of hits and a lot of tackles. Um, a lot of tackles. And, 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 there's, and, and there is some natural wear and tear that happens because of all of that. And so um, with him, he isn't the like guy with all the physical gifts he once had, once was. But he's still really, really smart and a very sure tackler and does a lot of things. I mean, there's a reason why he's setting franchise records and tackles at this age. The The idea that he's not getting up to the line of scrimmage and making those tackles, you know, for no gain and, or one yard and instead making them two or three, four yards downfield, that is, that's accurate. It is. Um, some of that has to do with what's in front of him and, and, and uh, whether or not they are, you know, keeping the line or keeping the um, the guards and center off of him uh, from pulling. I've seen I've seen him fight through a lot more blocks this year than we're used to, uh, and so that's part of it. 
But then part of it also is just a speed issue. He just isn't getting there as quickly. It takes him, you know, he's a step or two behind. And so, so let me ask you thing. this, Keith. Um, for me, I think it's way more likely uh, that he gets restructured. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is is essentially extended. So uh, I would add two years onto his current deal, give him a three year overall. But that last year's somewhat you can get out of jail with it um, if things kind of go south. If he if he does regress, um, but I would get his cap number down from say uh, twenty million this year to close to twelve or thirteen. Mm-hmm. Pick up an additional seven million dollars, push some of that down. Uh, down the road a little bit and um, and retain Bobby Wagner on this team. I think he just brings so much value um, and value that you just can't put your finger on as well. Just off the field stuff, character, all of that. Um, it's just a really big thing on this team and we don't have a lot of it. And um, I think there would be a big hole if he were to, to, to go away. He's going to go away at some point. But I think um, if you can, if if the band's back together this year, Pete Carroll, John Schneider are back. You got Russell Wilson. You're still in win now mode. You kind of build that roster to kind of go for it again in 2022. And Bobby Wagner, it seems to me, would be a big, huge part of that. Oh, absolutely. And and I think you're right on that. I think um, extending him for one year and then avoidable year. Um, at the you know for for a third year uh just to get his cap number down i think the other thing is you're looking at his overall money that's left on this deal is for him his take home is um you know uh 16.6 million um now he's got that 20 million dollar cap hit some of that is his signing bonus that's been prorated from when he signed this contract correct but his his take home is you know 16.6 I don't know if he's going to get that anywhere. If the Seahawks cut him, he's going to sign a much lower deal. And he knows that. Um, And so for him, having some stability, knowing that he's going to have a spot on a roster uh, a year from now, two years from now, um, is going to be worth it to him because his total money is going to, uh, would go up. And so, because if he goes into this year, plays this contract out, um, yeah, he makes sixteen point six million this year, but what he loses is any stability, any guaranteed money going forward. And so, if the team were to give him, let's say, what you were saying, um, one more deal and avoidable year, and you guarantee his salary for twenty twenty two and part of it for twenty twenty three, and you make that guaranteed salary more than the sixteen point six that he's going to make in twenty twenty two, I think he would go for it. So you make yeah. it. So you and do and all the time, all the the whole time, the the cap is going up for the Seahawks. So yeah. the percentage overall is going down as his contract is being paid out. Yeah, and so you take that that sixteen point six, you spread it out over two years, add a little bit more to it, make it ten million dollars uh, per year, so he gets twenty million dollars of uh, total money instead of sixteen point six. But it's over two years. You get his cap number down under control, and then you keep your your leader your captain your um one of the best players of your you know franchise history um on the roster instead of uh, yeah i would be i would be okay even if that number was 14 i don't know that he would go clear down to 10 you know i think that realistically and the way that the seahawks are known to take care of their players especially a player like bobby wagner it's more likely that they you know 
No, I wasn't talking close. cap number. I was talking about real money. His cap number is still going to be even real money. What I'm saying 16. is even real money. If he's taking to take 16 this year, you know, you have to ask yourself, did when he's and he's his own agent, when he signed his contract, did he think that he would make this 16 three, five in 2022? And the answer is probably 50, 50, 30, 70. No, because yeah. they're very, very realistic in the NFL most of the time. Mm-hmm. And he understands this number and understands it's way out of whack as far yeah. as middle linebackers in the NFL and all that kind of stuff. So he would likely, I, I, I agree with you. I think that, um, I think he's back. Honestly, yeah. and I think it's reworked into the point where his cap number in in uh, twenty twenty two is probably closer to thirteen or fourteen. I would think. Yeah, and and to get it down there because he's also got that roster bonus on there, and and which counts against the cap and that kind of stuff. But to get it down into that range, he's yeah. going to have to. He's going to have his salary is going to have to drop. Yeah, but I still and think so- he can take. I I you know I still think he can take between fourteen and sixteen million dollars home in twenty twenty two guaranteed. That's a lot. That's shifting a a lot of it in a lot of that salary into bonus, correct? Which which kicks it down. Which which just means it's more next year. Um, Yeah, and and if you throw the void year in in twenty twenty four, it spreads it out another year. Yeah, you know if if he's got like a you know four million dollar dead cap hit in twenty twenty four and he's not on the roster anymore. That's just the nature of, of business in the NFL. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've spent a lot of time on, on two guys. Let's kind of go through the rest of the cap. So we, we have $51 million. Dwayne Brown is a big issue. He's not under contract, but he has a dead cap figure of 3.5. Um, you take a look at Gerald Everett's got a dead cap number at $2 million, but he's not under contract. Quandre Diggs, $2.5 million dead cap number. So there is some dead cap. You'd mentioned it earlier at the top of the show. We don't have a lot. We have more than we usually do because of the nature of, of last year where yeah. um, we just had some real cap issues, but we still needed to fill out the quality roster. So they went ahead and pushed the money out. But Well, and every team did because the salary cap went down for, yes. for the first time ever. Um, and so you, when that happens, the teams wanted to stay competitive. They did. They they added a lot of these void years, which the Seahawks have avoided um, in past years. And so, but they had to do it. They had in order to get guys on the roster, you had to have their cap numbers be lower than you typically would. And so they pushed money out. So they have some. But then you look around the league at the, at the dead money um, for next year, and the Seahawks are in great shape. That's what I meant by that. Is you compare it to other teams. Um, maybe compared to the past years for Seattle, it's a little higher, but compared to other teams, it's a lot lower. There's a lot, they did a lot fewer of that void year stuff than, than quite a bit of teams, especially, uh, teams that you think of as, you know, perennial, um, contenders like new Orleans and green Bay, they're in much worse shape, um, as far as dead money goes. And now a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers 
a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN. This wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. All right. So which direction do you want to go with Gambling this? problems? Um, 1-800. Because we can keep talking about this in general, but we can kind of, you know, if you wanted to, we could spend some time talking about, you know, players and kind of where we're at. Where where do you, let me ask you this question before we go any further. Out of that 51 million, 52 million that we have, what is the realistic um, usable cap space that we have to go out and, and look at free agents, whether they're retaining our own or outside the organization? Um, typically, you take uh, just under 10 million of that and you put it in your back pocket because you have to pay your draft picks. You have to have the ability to sign people mid-season um, if some when some when someone gets hurt, um, and you also have to pay your practice squad. So, and these are things that you don't tend to think about. So, I would say you you take that about ten million dollars and you put it in your back pocket, and you're left with uh, forty one um, in order to retain it and and acquire. But I think what's what's missing in that is you have to go through and you got to look at there. There's other money here, right? Um, you. Just go down, go down the team's list. What are you going to do with Carlos Dunlap, who was uh, a complete um, no show in the first half of the season, and then yeah. came on like gangbusters? It was kind of crazy. Exactly. And so, like, what happened? What do you? But do his with numbers, him? his numbers, not huge for that position, though. Like your lead edge rusher on a defense at six point five million dollars is a pretty good number. True. Um, okay, then. Um, what about Jamal Adams? Do you want to have that conversation? Wow. Cause Jamal that's so Adams, hard because he's definitely not going anywhere. I mean, he has he, a dead cap hit of like $28 million. Six, you would be underwater with him almost $20 million just because of all the 16. bonus money's out there. Yeah. I've got, I've got, I've got it. His dead cap at 16, um, for next year. Um, is that not what you have over the cap over the cap has his dead money at twenty eight million four hundred and forty thousand dollars in if he was cut pre June first. Hmm. And, okay, and, and then and no, I mean the saving there is no, it's negative nineteen million dollars in savings. I mean it's just kind of he's uncuttable. So what what would you do there? He's got all the leverage in that case, and so well, you, you kind of have to ride that a little bit unless you if structure you, him. Or if you or trade him, yeah. If you trade him uh, pre June first, I think that's where I what I had. Um, it, it's it's just it's ugly. But if you um, trade him post June first, you end up with uh, about two million in savings, um, a big dead hit. Uh, yeah. Cap hit well, of... you in order to do that though, you've paid him this year already, right? So you've mm-hmm. you've paid him. That's why. No, it's... That's, no, that's why. Why I'm saying if you trade him. Right. Um, yes. You, right. You paid him the big bonus. Yeah. But you don't. So you paid you don't, him the big bonus. Right. But you don't. So you just you, swallow that as a franchise, but it doesn't count so badly, so poorly against your overall cap. And so, mm-hmm. do you make that choice? 
I mean, here's my feeling on Jamal Adams. I think he's getting a real bad rap overall by fans in a critical way. Um, and I, and I don't think that our, our master defensive coordinator, um, Ken Norton Jr. has really put him in the best position to be, to maximize his talent and to be successful, at least not in a full year. You know, he's done it in bits and pieces. Um, I think a lot of it was squandered at the beginning of the year. He was just kind of misused down the field a lot as a free, the second free safety you know, in a cover two situation, he's just not that player. And so uh, up at the line of scrimmage is where Jamal Adams goes. Now, with that said, uh, he's not an up at the line of scrimmage body type. So he's got this body that's like six foot and 210 pounds, but he, he, he plays with such reckless abandon, Keith, that he's had surgery now two years in a row. His, his season's ended. He's missed, you know, a lot of chunks chunks of time because of those injuries. And I don't see that slowing down at all for Jamal Adams. In fact, I can see it potentially forcing him out of the league at some point because he's just not going to be physically able to do the job. And mm-hmm. he seems to be only able to play one way, which is just 100%, which I don't fault which him for. Yeah. It's just the way it is. And so... To me, Jamal Adams, you know, continues to give you kind of diminishing returns over time. Maybe not the length of this contract, but I think eventually. I just don't know. I mean, if we were happen to move on from a guy like Ken Norton Jr. and brought in a defensive coordinator that was better suited overall for the talent that we have as a team and still able to execute Pete Carroll's defense, um, Jamal Adams might be a better fit overall. But it's hard for me. I think everyone, especially like our free safety, Keith, uh, Quandre Diggs, if you take a look at the way that the free safety is used on, on Seattle's defense, he really depends on everyone being in their, their positions correctly and so forth. And I think Jamal Adams is just kind of a ad hoc player. He just kind of plays his stuff. But I think Pete has gotten into his ear and said, hey, you know what? If you see something, just go for it. You know, we want playmakers. We want guys to go out and make plays. Use your instincts. So I think Jamal plays out of the scheme more than other players on the defense, which hurts Quandre Diggs the most. And our outside corners suffer from that as well because Quandre Diggs is stuff late um, covering and and our our uh, outside corners seem to be on an island more when Jamal Adams is kind of all over the place. So I don't know. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's wrong with our defense, especially at the beginning of the year. But I think Jamal Adams... It's part of that equation, and I just don't know exactly how to fix it, Keith. Well, and I don't think it's Jamal Adams that's part of that equation. I think it's it's how he's used. I mean, he is a unique, well. That's kind of what I mean. In a he sense. is a un, he is a unique talent. He is one of those tilt the field kind of guys, as Pete Carroll um, puts it. Yes. Uh, he you know he's a guy who's been an All Pro. He ha- holds the uh, NFL record for sacks by a defensive back. Um, despite missing a bunch of games that year. I mean, this is a, a, a physical specimen that can really play. And you didn't um, use him at all that way this year. Crazy. Yeah, and he, Crazy. And he, 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 he blitzed like almost never. He had, you know, no sacks. No sacks, no pressures, no hits. Um, yeah, which just wasn't used in that way. He, instead, for the first half of the season, they had him 25 yards off the line of scrimmage. Um, and they, that's not what he does well. And to me, that's that's entirely a scheme thing. I, I don't 
I don't share your opinion about him being an ad hoc player that um, that doesn't you know do his responsibility. Pete Carroll would never stand for that. He has taken guys that have um, you know high high pedigree and benched them, cut them because they refused to to actually do their job. And that is true. I mean, I'll give I, you that. And when I watch, I see what they do is they have a responsibility for him um, that might be unique to him because it's uh, not what you'd see another strong safety do. He's not another strong safety. He's a like a unique guy. But I think everyone around him knows what he's supposed to be doing. Um, the problem is that I think we saw at the beginning of the year certain cornerbacks that didn't trust him uh, in that even though he's it, his um, because he's not going to be where he would normally be he's not going to be there where a normal a normal strong safety would be they've got him doing something else um, they they were like bailing on their coverage and and trying to stay back and things like that uh, whereas you know if when we got different corners in there uh, it suddenly worked a lot better because they just did their job instead of trying to account for where they think a free safety should be. Uh, and so, I don't know. I think it worked. I, I didn't like the way they used him off the line of scrimmage. They needed to have him up there, have him attacking. Um, Playing in a traditional strong safety role, I think is the best role for Jamal Adams. I really do. Or, a strong side linebacker role. He's got he doesn't have the body for a strong side linebacker, but that's kind of the way you use him in a sense. Uh, if he's not having to set an edge, I think he's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're having him rush from from the strong side linebacker position occasionally, um, anything close to the line of scrimmage, you know, that way he can drop back into coverage and so forth. I mean, I, I think you line him up as a strong safety, you line him up as a strong side linebacker, you line him up, you know anywhere in that maybe a, a nickel at, at times and um that's the best use for jamal mm-hmm. um but i agree that that second free safety but you know hanging back off the line of scrimmage is probably not it um yeah. so what do, what do you think about his contract what do you think about what they do going forward well i did look i look at his contract and you're right it's not really um it's not really tradable this year um certainly not cuttable i wouldn't do that because you're you're giving up on a player win and you're not getting much in return as far as cap money that you could go spend. Um, but tradable, if you're going to go in and, and say, okay, we're going to, we are going to give up on them. We're only going to get 2 million in cap money, but we at least get these draft picks, right? We get a second, a fifth or whatever it ends up being. Um, I could, there, there's some of that, but you have to wait in order to do it. You have to wait till after June 1st. Or, so that means there's no benefit to doing it before the draft. You'd be looking at, well, we're going to do this for next year's draft picks. So you're going to not have the player this year. So you can get draft. Yeah. Picks a year if you're going to have this conversation that you have this conversation this time next year. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to going to get him healthy this off season after surgery. Absolutely. And you're um, going to integrate him the best you can into your defense. Yeah, and then you're going to have it then. I just because of the way his contract is, he's got the um, what is it, the number five cap hit on the team uh, currently. And this year, the Knicks didn't get much out of him considering that cap number. So, so one other player that I wanted to have a conversation with you about in this show, and then we can kind of we can do uh, team needs and roster evaluations uh, in, a, in another episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last one I really wanted to talk to you about this year would be DK Metcalf. 
he obviously doesn't have a, a cap number this year to, to worry about, but he's a player that you're going to extend. Yes, and absolutely. This would be the time between now and say the first day of training camp or even the first play of the regular season would be the time that you would want to extend TK Metcalf. I'm just curious as to your thoughts about that overall, how this kind of plays out. I think they absolutely should and um, like should extend him and give him a boatload of money and make it work. All <laughs> right. Um, right. You know, you look at, uh, you look around the league and you go, okay, um, you know, uh, and he had Cooper. a down year. He had a down year this year, right, Keith? He still yeah. had nearly a thousand yards, 85 receptions or whatever. And you think you could have, you know, with the, with the three or, f- or four games that Russell was off, you could even say five, you could have added to that. And he would have had a similar season he had the year before in the, in the Pro Bowl and all that kind of stuff. So, um, while there might be some argument out there, as to the extension and the size of the contract that he's going to receive. I think you have to look at the entire body of work, not just necessarily this year and the, the offense struggled in general. My only concern with DK Metcalf is just not getting him the ball enough. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to pay that guy $20 million a year, which is kind of where I think he's probably going to be, uh, you better darn well kind of force the ball, not necessarily force the ball, but look at what, the Rams do, a- do with Cooper Cup. I mean, they just make sure that he gets 10 opportunities to catch the ball a game no matter what. Yeah, and I think they're going to have to do more to just to scheme him touches because they did that a little bit. They would throw a couple of those like quick, um, almost wide receiver screens to him just to get the ball in his hands. They started doing that near the end of the year um, after his, his touches were just extremely low. But the other thing that they the Rams do with Cooper Cup is they move him around, they put him in different places, they scheme him open. Um, you know, coming from you know from stacks, yes, they stack scheme lineups him open. and that I kind of stuff. Key right um, and so they they scheme the ball into his hands um, in a way that the Seahawks didn't do this year. They didn't move uh, DK Metcalf around. He didn't line up in the slot hardly at all. Uh, they didn't stack uh, you know other wide receivers that are with them in order to, to get him a clean release and things like that. Uh, and so they would just stick him out there wide, you know, on, on one side and, and tell him to go. And with, when teams are double teaming him on almost every play, which they are because they're rolling a safety his way, he's got the corner and the safety on him on almost every play. Um, it's going to be harder to get him the ball. And so they need to do some other things and they didn't this year. And I found that to be, um, a bit frustrating. And so, so yeah, you were gonna that. you were gonna talk about like where he might be contractually if they do extend him before I he, interrupted you. Sorry, which is what you do. No, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I try um, not to. I try not. So you look around the league and you go, okay, so where does he work as far as? And we can just do average a year because total money um, and ends up depending on how many years the, the contract is. So saying you know Amari Cooper got a hundred a hundred million. Um, Wow. But only only forty of it was guaranteed. It's twenty million dollars a year. Um, you know that that's a that's a potential place to look. Um, Michael Thomas is roughly the same number um, at nineteen point two five. Tyreek Hill's at eighteen. Um, you know, there's a couple of ones that are that are crazy above that. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is currently sitting at twenty seven um, and a quarter, uh, but I don't think he makes that 
going forward. Julio Jones at 22. That was more of a um, a legacy signing because of yes. what he'd done in the past. Correct. Um, and so, but the second reached- second contract for a player of DK Metcalf's stature, I think, is probably close to 20. I, you know, I, yeah. that's just a gut feel. To so me, yeah. But- just looking at at you know um, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper. Those are the types of players that you um, you compare that to. Also, you look at the fact that Tyler Lockett is at seventeen point two five for his uh, there. So he's going to make more. He's going to make more than Lockett, and he's going to make you know less than Julio Jones, which is at twenty two. So that gives you the range of you know seventeen and a so half we ha- to, we ha- to twenty two. So we have the money this year. But that mm-hmm. would take up a significant chunk. So how does the Seahawks make sure that they oh, retain a to... DK Metcalf and still have money to spend on other players? It doesn't have to take up a significant chunk because when you hear the um, the twenty million, that doesn't mean his cap number is going to be twenty million in this year. Um, you're going to. So why don't you get... explain that for folks that uh, that don't follow the cap very much? Okay, so um, the cap number works in a couple of different ways. So uh, your their salary is part of their cap number. Uh, for that year. And then whatever signing bonus they get, um, that number gets prorated over the life of the contract. And so what that means is, so if you sign a five-year deal, let's say it's got a $10 million um, signing bonus, then each year that signing bonus counts for $2 million um, per season. And that player gets that up front. They get it up front. Um, and, but then they get the, the the team gets the cap relief by spreading it out. And then what you do is you say, okay, what's their take home per year, right? And so in year one, their take home is almost all of that bonus. So let's give it to you now, and your salary is going to be tiny. But who cares? You made you've already gotten paid for this year, um, and then next year your salary goes up. So it's you're never you're never playing for a, a tiny uh, amount, but you're in the first year, it's all signing bonus, so it spreads it out. Um, and so you can take a guy like DK Metcalf. Let's say they give him that five-year, $100 million contract, so it's $20, um, $20 million per year. If you give him, let's say, $15 million of that up front, right? That means, okay, that first year, he's going to get $15 million in signing bonus and another 5 million in salary. Well, his overall cap number for this first year is going to be 8 million, 5 million from his salary and 3 million from that cap hit going spreading out. So he's going to have a very manageable cap hit in this first year. And then you sp- you spread it out. Well, that but that means his cap number goes up in future years. True. But so the, salary the salary cap, cap the salary cap as a whole goes up in future years. And next year is we you know there were these new TV contracts and streaming contracts are starting to kick in. There's a lot more money coming into the NFL. And those that cal- salary cap's gonna like skyrocket. So um I you gotta get through a year and then you just you let it play out. Um I think you can sign him. I think you can get him for um in a way that's not going to hurt the team as far as its salary cap. And honestly, you're not, you're not contending um, without weapons for Russell Wilson. And he's arguably the most talented weapon uh, you've had in your franchise since probably Joey Galloway. So yeah, just and not taking anything away from Tyler Lockett. They're just two different players. Yeah, uh, they are. And, And I'm just, Tyler Lockett is is phenomenal and deserving of being, you know, what is it, the the tenth 
highest paid receiver in the league. And even though a lot of people outside of Seattle will be like, wow, they're overpaying him. No, they're not. They really aren't. Um, but Tyler Lockett <laughs> is not the physical specimen that DK Metcalf is. Tyler Lockett's not the guy that will keep defensive coordinators up at night the way DK Metcalf is. So you pay that kid and you keep him <laughs> on your roster. All right. So let's wrap this show up. So we kind of gone through the, the salary cap. We spent a lot of time on uh, three players overall, but you got a, a real good <laughs> idea, right? I mean, that's kind of the gist of the, of the cap. It's like you really focus on the players that, that have meaningful impact on that cap, and then everyone else just kind of falls into line. So when we go through the roster and we talk about the offensive needs and defensive needs, we'll get a little bit more into – the, the cap and the roster and how it all works and what we need and how it all fits together. Uh, and we'll start with the offense uh, later this week, and then we'll get to the defense. Um, anything else, Keith? And we'll get out of here. No, let's just get out of here. This has uh, been a long show. It's I get the salary cap is not always the most um, fun topic to get into, but I think it, it was, it's great for you and I to make sure that we've researched where they're at this year really yeah, well as we it go into the, the off season. It really does set the table for where we're going. So yeah. um, thank you for bearing, bearing with us, everyone. <laughs> yeah. I like the show because I come, I'm a kind of a wonkish guy. I like the details. I like to know how it all fits together. It's kind of like a puzzle. I really respect the guys that uh, on the team that are part of the salary cap management um, mm -hmm. around John Schneider and, and company. I think they do a great job overall. I mean, yep. one of the most well-managed salary cap teams in the NFL, you yep. know, they just are. John in Schneider fact, does a good job uh, with that, but you're right. My, the guy, that, the guy who does the work, the salary cap expert and the guy that negotiates a lot of the salaries is um, Michael Thomas um, with there within the organization. And he has been great. It used to be John it, uh, is before he left to be the Jets general manager and you don't let the cap guy make personnel decisions. That was a mistake by them. Um, but he did a fantastic job. And when he left, I was worried. Um, Thomas came in and has, you know, filled in and done a great job as well. So yeah. And we um, rank uh, seventh overall in the NFL this year in salary cap availability. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be a, a, a fun year to spend a little bit of money. So, yeah. all right. Follow Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at, NW Seahawks. The show is at Hawks Playbook. SeahawksPlaybook.com is all the stuff. Find us on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube. And make sure you subscribe, share with your friends, all that good stuff. So until next time, go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.